Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Welcome back to episode 63, I believe, of the Disunomics podcast. A big shout out to those who listened to the previous one, episode 62, The Police Force, talking diversity, gang culture and sexual assault. I was joined by my friend, um, she is a police constable in London, a young black Caribbean lady. She goes through her experiences, we discuss all types of stuff, so make sure you check that out. Please continue to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcast app as well as like and follow on SoundCloud. So, uh, before I get into this week's podcast, I'm going to do another roundup of what's going on. We've had Trump go link up with um, Kim Jong-un from North Korea. A monumental meeting, they really said. Some people criticise of what happened because Trump alluded to, yeah, we'll lift sanctions, but without really getting any admissions from North Korea of what they're going to do and how they're going to, you know, de-weaponize themselves. So that's starting to follow over the next few months in, I will say, year. Also, this year sparked the anniversary of Grenfell Tower, one of the worst, probably the worst tragedy I've witnessed in my lifetime in the United Kingdom. For those who don't know, watch, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody's aware of what happened last year when... The Grenfell Tower, tower block in West London, which I go past quite often, set up in flames in the early hours, in the late hours of the, of the day, into the early hours of the morning. Why this is so egregious is because the people who lived at that tower did everything you want them to do in democracy. I've often complained about how we don't get involved. They got involved in democracy. They pressured the local authorities. They wrote articles, they wrote letters, everything they were ignored. The Kensington and Chelsea Tenant Management Organisation received several complaints. They were talking about the placement of boilers, gas pipes, the lack of, the complete absence of sprinklers and fire alarms. The fact that a building that could potentially house over 600 people only had one fire exit. One bloody fire exit. The craziest thing is, in 2016, the innocent working class regular people via the Grenfell Action Group warned, this is 2016, warned, the dangerous living conditions will, su- will, will, event, will result in sorry, a catastrophic event. What happened, this was November 2016, what? Eight months later, at least 70 people have lost their lives. Dozens of families are still not home to the, to, till this day. Till this day, which in, which in itself is a catastrophe. And I've seen a lot of people get mad at the Conservative government and they're talking about austerity. Austerity is terrible. Those who listen to my podcast know I flipping hate austerity. It's bad economics, period. But that's a cop-out. And let me tell you why it's a cop-out. Austerity is when you cut back on spending to try to reduce any budget deficit that you currently have. Cool. Well, government... Austerity doesn't mean the government spends absolutely zero pounds or euros, yen, naira, cities, wherever you are in the world. The government's all going to spend year in, year out. What is the primary function of a government? The government is there to serve the people who democratically elected them. We, the people, via democracy, 
donate our power. We transform our power to them so they act on our behalf in our best interest because they are apparently are educated and highly skilled to do so. The primary objective in terms of acting our best interests is to ensure our safety. Primary objective. So when you're writing down what you're spending the money on, the first priority should be ensuring our safety and well-being. Let's take, let me give you a micro example, yeah? Families. You have, in a family, you have either a single parent or two parents. Cool. What is a parent's primary responsibility to look after the well-being of the child that they brought into the world? When a parent fails that primary responsibility, society demonises them. We look at them like they are the lowest of the low. Look how society views dads who are just not about. We don't even know why they're not about. Sometimes it could be for reasons beyond theirs or just they could just be bummy. But we look at them like, no, nah, you're rubbish because you're not there to look after your children. We've heard stories of mothers leaving their kids in boiling hot cars and the kids die. We're blasting them. The same thing should go to the government. No, so austerity is a cop-out for them. I'm not having a single bar of that. We've seen what happened earlier this year with the Windrush scandal. The pressure the people put the government under was overwhelming. And for those who listen to my Windrush podcast, my boy, shout out my boy Fred, uh, he was discussing about how um, his dad's friend was having issues. After all that, all the pressure that was put onto the Conservative government, please believe a visa just popped into his letterbox like a couple of weeks later. And several people probably around the country, same way. We can never allow this to happen again. In a country this wealthy, there should not be buildings that are that shambolic, especially in a city like London. It is egregious. It's insane. Absolutely insane. The cladding was, did not pass health and safety measurements, it's inflammable. Oh, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. So Grenfell Tower should always remind us of how far away we are from having a well-run democracy. And it's interesting. Well, I wasn't even meant to talk about this that long, but man's, man's heated. It's interesting when you look at how different segments of society view it. Because some people are like, why is everybody going mad about these illegal immigrants? First of all, how the hell do you know they're illegal? One. Two, they're, they're human beings. They're people. It's crazy the discontent that people have for working class people from different cultures. They believe that these people are, are scroungers. These people probably work two, three jobs. You've, you've been around these people. You, I've been around these people. Good families. It's, it's sad. And this is why social media is important. This is why I believe my podcast, I don't really try to champion my podcast, but my podcast, other podcasts like The Making Sense, Rice at Home, other websites that um, Capital Moments, Bola Soul, Refined Currency, all these different type of people trying to give you good news coverage on police, carry them go chats, trying to give you good analysis from the ground up on current affairs, politics, economics, personal finance are so important because us as the new media are the real. Because we saw on our Twitter the raw accounts of people fresh out the building or people who are friends and family who live up the road were talking about what they saw. Man will talk about how he was stepping over bodies and stuff. What they saw. People tweeting about how they accepted they're about to die. Like these gruesome accounts, but they were needed for people in the country to know what was going on. We know it, but we're in these social media networks where we're plugged in like that. The vast majority of the country are not. They get their news from The Sun, The Daily Mail, The Mirror, The Guardian, Sky News, BBC. And I was at my workplace and you'll think that 
being in a finance environment and one of the best um, consultancy companies where I was at the time, you'll have some top tier intelligent people. No, they're all flipping bums. Don't ever get it twisted. And this is what we're going up against. So it's so important that we continue to engage in these stories, even if you're not supporting no nobody's podcast or nobody's blog or nobody's YouTube channel, but just engage in news and discuss it because when your tweets get retweeted, it starts to bring light to this new media. And the advantage we got, we don't have to background check our stories and run mad sources like that. So we can just put it straight out. Like for Sky to put a video up, they have to go through all types of hoops. And also, there's certain things they won't put out because of agendas, propaganda. You feel me? Feel me? But we don't have that burden. We can slap it out ourselves. So it's very, very, very important that we continue to do this because the country's flipping deluded. And also, my last topic on this, yeah, is that let's not dilute causes with nonsense claims. Because I saw a bag of people, I'm not sure if it's just passion, looking for retweets, or just general ignorance, saying stuff like, you know, we had like, um, the, I think Wembley's arches going green, the um, London Eye was lit green as well in aid of, in lieu of um, Grenfell. And people were like this, yeah, you do this, but are they housed though? First of all, they're not the government. They're not the flipping government. It's not the government. The, what's the London Eye got to do with the government? So what's the London Eye got to do with Kensington um, Council, etc., Or Wembley Stadium? No, it's a... It's an obvious sign of solidarity and remembering the lives lost and those affected from Grenfell. If there was nothing in mainstream England showing this in the media, no one minute silence, you lot would be bitching as well, saying they don't care about a C. It's nonsense. Stop that. It's just that that really irritated me. You just please, let's let's just use our brains. Cool. Anyway, forget that. Now, I probably had other things to talk about. I've completely forgot because Grenfell has completely rattled me. Anyway, on this week's podcast, I'm joined by my guy, David Bell, again. Uh, we are discussing the housing market. We see some slur down the housing market. So I just talked to David on this, um, to get his thoughts on where the housing market is right now, why that is, what are the actual driving factors behind this, how important is supply and demand? Also, what are what is Theresa May and the major opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, planning to do? Are their plans actually good? And how can we tackle it? Also, I allowed um, David to go in a mini rant about Elon Musk and, te- and Tesla. But yeah, thank you for listening so far. I hope you enjoy. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's lit. It's lit. I am joined by one of my favourites, Guests, well, you might as well be a co-host at the pod at this rate. David, <laughs> what's good? We say hello, mate. How's it going? Yes, yeah, right, mate. The economics podcast, not podcast. What are we talk about economics um, group chat we set up seems to be going pretty decent. Anyone who wants to join, just hit us up. You can learn some stuff, get involved with some debates, ask questions, whatever. So you got people like David and many others who are more than happy to engage in discussions with you. Even it's though good, it's a good balance, yeah, it's good balance between between people on the left and the right as well yeah yeah is, yeah, uh, yeah which is a and it's kind of it's kind of a civilized discussion rather than people shouting at each other you're wrong oh yeah all that type of stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's quite relaxed apart from we had one guy who was who was moving a bit mad and we had somebody who joined in posted some some porn and bounce do you remember that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they've just done it again now i can just see it on my oh, screen oh so. bloody hell bear namibians namibian russian bots join in as well you see Bear Plus 264s? That's Putin and them. Yeah, anyway. no, I don't know where they came from. Anyway, today we're talking um, the housing market. So it's probably best to start off with where the housing market is at currently. And right now we're seeing a bit of a slowdown. Um, I was looking at the Royal Institute of Charter Surveyors, Ricks. Some of you may have heard of them. I said a number of houses that are actually coming onto the market has actually decreased. No, it has marginally increased, but the demand is still a bit slow, not as bad as earlier in the year. And the house prices in London and the southeast, which are traditionally pretty high, um, are started to fall. You, you, but however, I was, I was reading something in the Financial Times, um, I think it was on Friday, where they were talking about how the average house, even the average, ha- the average um, earner 
cannot now afford the average house size. So the northeast of England, which is not as great as the southeast in terms of prosperity and just general wealth, tends to be have cheaper housing. But if you look at the average square foot of space for a house, which is 893 square foot, if you the average income earner with a 25% deposit can only afford a house with the size of 884 square foot, which is obviously less than the average. And if you go to London, 25 deposit, 25 percent deposit. <laughs> average um average worker, well, you can afford 292 square foot, which is a hundred foot less than the minimum requirement when you talk about planning permission to build a one bed. So as you said, a box. So <laughs> even though things are slowing down, it's still hella pricey. So where do you see the housing market right now, David? Um I actually think that um, it's, uh, there's really big fissures coming into the the the, uh, the housing market at the moment. Um, I'm just looking here at um, Foxton's um, share price, and they floated, I believe, in at the end of 2013. So that's when they got onto the stock market. Um, in 2014, they had a high of about four pounds, 400p, um, and their share price at the moment is 65p. So that's a huge, huge, huge drop in, in their share value. Now, that is very, 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 very horrendous in terms of drop. That's, that's... Yeah, I mean, it's what? I'm not very good at percentages. What's that? Um, you say from four, what? Lot. From what? 400p down to 65. Jesus Christ. So it's basically 75% drop. Yeah, that's... It's, ugh, yuck. What's in that? It's pretty, it's pretty huge, yeah. Yeah, way worse than that. But it's, it, for, for me, that shows not just an indication of the the slowdown in um, in the housing market. And um, I'll go on to the reasons why I think there's been a major slowdown. And there is going to be a major, major slowdown um, a bit later. But also it, go, it kind of says something about the high street, um, the high street estate agent business model as well where they're kind of looking at high fees. Uh, I mean, if you go and if, if you even want to do a credit reference or something with an estate agent, they charge you something like 100, 200 quid. And now you've got firms like Open Rent who charge absolutely nothing. I think they charge you a £25 fee because they do so much volume. Dad, um, Dad, and they don't have to make target per per store that they, they can make revenue off of that. So uh, look at openrent.co.uk if you're looking to rent, um, renew your tenancy or whatever for the next time. But um, yeah, in terms of the housing market, m- the main thing that I'm looking at is the that uh, the, the interest rates um, are expected to rise. Um, now, you probably wouldn't just attribute, like you wouldn't maybe think about um, when you're going to buy a house that interest rates will rise, but you have to imagine that banks probably don't wish to lend as much. And what does that mean? That, you know, there's going to be less demand. Um, so as you said before, the, from the thing that you read in the FT, you said that there was more supply and demand was slowing down. Well, yeah. my view would be my view would be that banks don't really want to take on as much more mortgage risk anymore um, because they can foresee a slowdown. So that directly impacts the, the consumer. Um, I think, you know, wages haven't risen. I mean, they, they've kind of ticked up a little bit, um, wage growth recently. But, um, you know, they're still nowhere near the levels that they should be. And um, I think I think actually we're going to be in for a rough next six months. Um, I wouldn't say for sure that there's going to be really recessionary conditions, but there's a few different um, indicators there at the moment. Um, one being to do in the in the fixed income market, the bonds. And um, yeah, I, I just think there's there's some there's a few little developments going on at the moment that I don't think um, are looking too good. There's a there's actually a Twitter um, a Twitter handle that I follow called I think it's called Property Lion, and it shows you the biggest um, drops in house price, the biggest changes. Oh yeah, I've seen in, I've uh, seen you retweet that quite often. Yeah, yeah, and I mean there's, yeah. and I've seen some of the biggest um, house price drops in London actually, specifically in um, I think the postcode that I saw was E15. Um, which I think is Stratford, is it? I don't yeah, know. around those areas, yeah. Stratford, Bow. No, not Bow, I think that's E3. Um, yeah, around those areas, Stratford, Leighton, all those sides there. Yeah, and um, generally what happens is that when you start to see some degradation in the house prices um, kind of further out, it's like a contagion effect and it goes towards the centre. 
And obviously in the centre is where you see, you know, all the, the most expensive houses. So I think there's 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 currently a knock-on effect going on where you're seeing eight to ten percent price decreases year on year. Um, I can see via that Twitter account, uh, property line um, or UK property line or something like that. Um, and you know, I think the underlying cause is to do with um, interest rate expectations increasing, yeah. um, and and banks not willing to lend. Um, that's I think that's the the biggest pressure at the moment, um, and. You know, um, I've always said that I think interest rates do need to rise, but that's just to normalise some of the price distortions we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think house prices, house prices are overvalued by such a massive amount. It's, it's not just ridiculous. not just house prices, um, equities as well. Like, every, yeah, every asset really. But you know, um, house prices, house prices especially because you can you can survive equity markets being higher, but people need to live somewhere. Yeah, yeah, of course, I mean? of course, of course, of course, and. You know how many how many people really own equities? You know you might own an ISA or something, but uh, I, I think not not very many people our age think of even owning an equity um, or or a stock or anything because you know they need somewhere to live. They need that money to put into rent, and rent prices are so high because buying a house is so high. Um, so landlords have to up their rent. Yeah, it's. It's a bit, it's a bit tough for us uh, millennials, and it's quite interesting exploring the demand and supply um, impacts. Well, as we, as we've discussed, um, when you look at what our politicians want to tackle, how they want to tackle it, a lot of the things that they discuss are more just the basic demand and supply. They haven't really gone into discussing the impact of of all the things that we're talking about. You know, in terms of um, interest rates, etc. So I looked at um, the two main players in terms of politics. Um, Theresa May, the prime minister and um, her opposition, Jeremy Corbyn. So with regards to Prime Minister, last October, she was talking about pledging to fix the housing market. She was like, yeah, young people have the right to be angry, blah, blah, blah. Where she's going to input an extra £2 billion into developing, no, building 25,000 social houses for rent by 2021. And some people believe it could go up to 60,000 if they, if the government... Um, unlocks full potential some beers like that i'm going to talk about social housing after i finish this point um because i don't feel that's that's what you want to how you want to solve it also she was talking she was addressing um tackling planning permission to get the supply of housing up obviously if you make if you loosen up planning permission it's easier for them developers to build more houses the more houses then there's more houses to meet the ever-growing or everlasting demand Corbyn, a bit more radical, he would actually buy 8,000 homes for the homeless. For those who don't know that, um, there's quite a big rough sleeping um, issue in the UK, so he'll want to sort that out. He also gives, he wants to give local authorities the rights to seize vacant properties. We could discuss that later as well, um, Dave. Um, yeah. um, also, he wants to build <laughs> 1 million affordable homes, 100,000 a year, and he, they want to change the definition of affordable. So where your rent accommodation costs work out to be a third of your income. So what do you think about the two, um, obviously, um, two big players' um, proposals to address the housing market? I think they're both very short-termist and they both um, they both abide by the, the simple kind of framework of a Ponzi scheme. Um, <laughs> the reason I say it is because all the... All the, the how do I put it? All of their policies are really just to uh, affect the the price and and the supply and demand dynamics of the housing market for the next five to ten years. Which is what election, which, which is election cycles, basically. Exactly. What happens after that? What happens to our children? Are we going to have to then, you know, give them an even bigger deposit after that so they can buy even more inflated house prices? You know. What happens further down the line? They don't think about that. There's no long-term solution for the housing problem because they haven't solved the issue of land speculation. That's the main issue. And it's always going to be the biggest issue because they don't want to solve it. It's not in their interest to solve it because they have these land developers that are in their pocket. Facts. Who can, you know, they can give massive subsidies to. If you see some of the new builds, right, some of these new builds are subsidised by 35 to 40% of the, by the government. For those now, what, who, what ex- they... so, hold on, explain what subsidy, subsidy means for those who don't know. 
So the subsidy is just basically the government giving um, a private firm uh, money to go and do whatever they want, really. In this case, we're talking about land developers. Um, so, you know, like Barrett Homes and um, and uh, Galliard and people like that, what they do is they go out and buy land, um, develop homes, sit on it, wait for the house prices to go up, then sell it, you know? Yeah. Um, it's uh, or they don't even develop at all. They wait for three years and use that government subsidy, and and that basically that government subsidy is just free profit because they can they're just making a margin on that. Facts, you know that. So they whatever their costs are, add on the subsidy and then add on the price that they sell for, and that's what they're making. Um, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but you know this is this is something that has to change, and this is why I'm pretty against. I'm totally pro free markets, but free markets isn't you know, subsidies being given to land developers. Of course. Uh, free free markets is the price being um, without any deadweight loss or any any massive uh, producer surplus. Um, and uh, right now the producers are the ones that are benefiting the developers. So it's, it's, it's just a ridiculous situation. And to be fair, it's not just, um, it's not just a, a situation that's British-specific. It's all around... Europe, um, even now, it's getting a lot bigger, that kind of thing. The US, it's the same. Um, but, I mean, in London, it's just dire. You know, the major cities in the world, that's where it is, what happens. Because um, they know it's a cash cow. You know, they know if they throw money into property in London, you know, they wait five, ten years, well, you've, you've got a 75%, 100% return on your, your money. And they yeah. know it's pretty guaranteed. Yeah, it's easy money. Um, so let's look at all the things they said um, individual one by one. So... Um, my my problem with um social house social housing is that when you actually look at what it actually is, it's just really and truly just propping up the pockets of the landlords anyway. Because what you're doing is essentially subsidizing them. Like, okay, cool, we're gonna guarantee you. Let's say you're giving a house to like a, a single mother or a or a geezer who's whose house is overcrowded, he's become homeless, whatever the person is like. And you'll say, okay, cool. This is a new build, let's say in Southgate, that's probably on the market for a grand eight, grand seven. And you're saying, okay, cool. You contribute 200 pounds and we, the government via taxpayers' money, will cover the rest. What that is essentially doing is the landlord who owns that property has a guaranteed income because the government is paying for that, guaranteed. And that's the problem. Why would you want to increase the influx of social housing when it's not really houses that's going to be on the competitive market where actual consumers can decide if they want to get involved, buy or buy or not? Do you know what I mean? So it's just really just prop up the housing market and just make line the pockets of these rich people that you that everybody seems to complain about. And then you got, mm-hmm. and then you want to build one million homes. Well, you don't, as, 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 as we said, you don't actually address the core issue. It's just further. And also the season of people's properties, like, what is this? Is this Russia? Is this Stalin's Russia? How are you kind of seize people's properties? Because they have it, they have it vacant. That is, is, is like, I call it a reactionary result. Um, re, is a reactionary thing. You're not tackling the cause. You're just reacting to the aftermath. Like you can't come and seize somebody's property because it's vacant. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, that's ludicrous. And the, the, the argument as well to me that there's not enough housing is absolute bullshit because we have, um, we have 27, I think it is 27 or 20 million, 28 million uh, homes in the, in the UK, but yeah. we only have 27.1 million households. Fam. Um, so clearly there's a surplus there. Um, and, you know, if you, if you consider the fact that um, there is such a large surplus, and house prices again shouldn't be this big. Um, it, it's just astounding to me that this there's been no real, um, no real conclusion to the question of why house prices are so large. And, and to me, it always then boils down to the motivations. What are the motivations for the government and the Bank of England to keep houses house prices higher? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Part of it is because so many MPs are landlords. Facts. Um, and because they're, they, they're, they're mates with people who who have money and who 
do carry out land banking essentially, which I'll get onto get onto later as well. Um, and then part of it is how the financial systems run, um, where the Bank of England lower interest have been lowering interest rates for I don't know forty years um, since the mid eighties or late seventies seventy nine I think it is if you look at you uh, UK uh, gilt yields. Um, which is basically the UK government 10-year bond. Um, the yield on that, you know, that makes credit really, really cheap, and it's been getting cheaper and cheaper. Over and the, the correlation is there. You know, as, as credit gets cheaper in terms of interest rate payments, um, house prices go up. But conversely, you've got the, the deposit required needing to go up as well. And when wages are, are so thin and wages are being stretched, it makes people like... Like, well, people like mine and your age makes it difficult to to get onto the property ladder without you know going in for an interest only mortgage, which is crazy, or like five percent, ten percent, which makes it harder then on the on the repayments, you know. Um, but it's it's the situation we're in, um, and it's a shit one, and I think it will be corrected um, pretty brutally. And but then again, we'll just be bailed out by the Bank of England again. They'll go and do more quantitative easing push the interest rates down and keep the whole shitty machine going. Yeah, it's, it's actually very depressing. Why is all our podcasts always depressing? We need to, we need to change it. But um, Because it's the state of the economy, mate. It yeah, is depressing. It's run by, it's run by 60-year-old blokes and, and women um, who have vested interests in the, in the policies that they make. Um, that's all it comes down to. I can't remember who I was listening to who um, said that all these policies are in the policies that um, we see our governments um, impose are always four to five year plans, which makes sense because they are essentially election cycles. And that just shows what I've been saying on virtually every single episode of Dysonomics that is all about um, incentive drives behavior. These people's primary objective is to be reelected and stay in power and continue to earn that's their career. So yeah. they were always, and their job is to devise policy, decide on policy, implement policy. And if self-interest is is um is quite prevalent, then they're always gonna do choose the policies that are more short term. Like who's gonna really go say, listen, I've got this policy, it's gonna take 20 years to action, but it's good for the long-term benefit of the economy. Mm-hmm. That's not really winning the elections. And maybe that's partly also our fault that we can't we expect everything done so quickly. But it is pretty sad that we keep on glossing over the issue. And the issue, of course, is basically land. And we're going to get onto land value tax, but how I like to introduce it to the listeners is that land is what's really driving the price. And for Mm -hmm. people who think, huh, does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Let's have two houses. And I'm saying they are exactly, in fact, take your house. Exactly. Let's say you have this house, yeah? Three bedroom house, marble floors or whatever, garage, garden, Take it, detached house. The exact same house, put it in Knightsbridge, and the exact same house, put it in Stoke-on-Trent. What's the difference in the house price? Probably, like, (coughs) I don't know, probably like 1.2 million pounds. Something Mm -hmm. ridiculous like that. Probably even more. More than that. More than that. (laughs) So, I basically put a scenario to you where the exact same product in terms of the house, the exact same house, in two different regions, the difference in the price is not £500, not £700, not one grand, not even 50 grand, millions. It shows that the real driving factor in price is land. So there is, um, how do I, there's a theory called land value tax, which um, David's been championing for the absolute longest. So this is like your, your child. So I'll leave it to you to explain <laughs> to the people what um what keeps you up at night uh blended value taxes and why it's probably the best solution for this catastrophe this shit show that is the um london housing market yeah absolutely i mean firstly if you frame it in this way okay so the the, the uk is worth now not gdp the uk is worth uh 10 trillion pounds okay if you consider that half of that is Half of the UK's value is in land. That's five trillion pounds in land. Okay. If you were to tax even, you know, 10, 15% of that, that's 1.5 trillion pounds 
in terms of tax receipts. I'm not sure what the total tax take is per year um, currently, but um, uh, let me actually check that. Um, but, you know, um, I think it's about a trillion pounds or so, or less, 900 billion, something like that. Now, if you were to introduce a land value tax, you'd be able to do away with income tax, um, taxes, VAT, for example, corporation tax. And the thing about land is that um, no one created land. Um, you know, no one created the natural resources that are within the land. They would also be taxed, which would offset environmental problems. So why are we getting these massive, massive increases in, in, um, in land value when literally no one, um, no one deserves these increases? Like you're literally just buying a house for a lot of people because they know it's an investment because it's going to go up just because it goes up. You know, even if you didn't um, do anything to your house and you live in a nice area and you wait 10 years, your house price is probably going to go up if you're not in a crisis. Facts. You know, but, but you've done nothing to earn that increase. You're literally just doing it because the population's increasing and, um, and, and credit is cheap. You've done nothing to do it. Whereas if you buy a stock, for example, okay, if you buy a stock, you're actually investing in a company, you're taking a risk. It's likely that the stock could go down just as much as it goes up. But you're providing money to a company so they can hire for jobs, so they can invest in technologies, so they can do all of this other stuff. Whereas if you're just buying a house to sit on the land, you've done nothing to, 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 uh, to earn, that, earn that price increase. So why is it fair that you've got loads of these people who are just sitting on land, renting it out, when they own all the assets and then other people can't. Okay, so if you tax the land, no one can avoid a land value tax because you can't chop up land and put it into a tax haven. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. It's, a it's, a, it's a perfectly inelastic thing. In economics, that means that there's no substitution for land. Say, for example, you have, um, say, say you, have a, you, you run out of tea, for example, Tea is quite an, an elastic product because you might switch to coffee or you might switch to something else. You know, if you want to if you want to live somewhere, you can't switch to somewhere else because everything has to be a shelter. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, this I this whole idea was brought about by Henry George, um, and he was um, an old kind of uh, philosopher, economic economist, uh, sociologist, that kind of thing. And for me, the, the idea of a land value tax isn't a left or right um, question. And it's out of the political dichotomy that we have of left or right. Because essentially, if you had a land value tax, you'd be appeasing the left because it would be going against land banking and the inequalities that land banking and um, hoarding property provides. Um, a lot of firms, like supermarkets, for example, they just buy land um, and they buy their supermarkets just because they know it will increase in price, shut the store down, sell off the land and then go and do it elsewhere. Um, so that it would fix that side of it. And I'm telling you, I, I always say that a lot of so, uh, socialists aren't actually socialists. They just want a cure for their ills. This is why I've become <laughs> kind of sympathetic to them recently. Uh, most people just... Most people just want to live somewhere and have a, an affordable way of living. Okay? Yeah. And a land value tax would supply that. And it appeases the right as well because, you know, if you're a capitalist, you want to run a firm um, or you just want to work and earn your wages as much as possible or whatever, you're not getting taxed on your income. You're not getting VAT. You're not getting business rates done. You're not getting corporation tax. All of these things that contribute to people um, changing their desire about working, labour, investing, entrepreneurship, that kind of thing, it would fix all of these things. And I don't know why people are so unwilling to um, to want to listen to the fact that um, land is the issue. Um, and they want to create these short-term policies such as help to buy help to buy is a Ponzi scheme. I think everyone should know that by now. Or uh, Why do you say it's a Ponzi scheme? Well, because you're 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 giving money to uh, to people, the government's subsidising buyers. Then what happens to the next generation? Facts. What happens ten ten years down the line? Are you just going to keep pumping money into the scheme to inflate house prices? No. I mean, if you tax the land, okay, you can't 
you can't incre- you can't increase you can't push the costs onto the uh, onto the tenant. What happens is, um, if you want to be a landlord, you provide a good service, you take a margin, um, you produce a productive business out of the out of the land that you own. If you don't want to do that and you just want to speculate on the land, you pass it to someone that will make it productive because the tax will mean that you lose money, essentially. So land speculation then goes out of the window. It's so equitable and it doesn't make sense as to why people um, don't want to do it. Think of 2008, okay? What was 2008 born out of? Housing market crash. There you go. Mm. It would stop the whole boom and bust rubbish where banks are speculating on mortgages, that kind of thing. It makes no sense. I don't understand why it's not pushed more. Now, I'll I'll say this. Uh, The Lib Dems and Labour actually had it in their manifesto, but it wasn't, um, it it would never have worked properly because it didn't have the offsetting of removing income tax, VAT. And yeah, well, this, is, this is additional tax to add to the list. Exactly. And no one's going to want to vote for that because it's basically income tax, VAT and um, corporation tax. They're, regress- they're, they're essentially regressive taxes at the end of the day. They're unproductive. Um, land value tax is perfectly productive because you can't escape it. OK. And it offsets environmental problems. I mean, with environmental problems such as burning um, fossil fuels, you get negative externalities, which contribute to health issues, blah, 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 blah. If you have a land value tax, you're taxing these natural resources as well. Now, that means that you can put the money into healthcare, for example. You can put the money into awareness about loads of different things. Or you can put money into electric um, motors. You know, like um, like old Elon Musk that wankers got from the US government. Okay, we're, we're going to talk about Elon Musk at this on part of this pod because I do not understand your agenda with my man. Like literally, <laughs> every day you're at his neck. Like I don't know why, uh, but but we'll talk about we'll that later. Change, but okay, we'll cool. The so end, yeah. yeah, but um, so okay, cool. So you've been elected prime minister of the UK. Yeah. yeah. Somehow they've 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 gone past all your tweets of you calling people c words and all sorts. Actually, no, that's that's your old account. Actually, fucking so, great, mate. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> Somehow the people have elected you as um, prime minister. How do yeah. you implement land value tax? So explain to the to the people them how how it works. So uh, let's say um, yeah. Somehow I have broken past the whole belief that. Um, Property shouldn't be used as, as an investment. Um, and I've got to the stage where people have accepted land value tax, which is so far off I mm. could cry. Um, essentially, what you do is you'd have a panel of different um, surveyors, uh, local councils, um, and even possibly private, private surveyors. And you would base the tax off of the current rental cost. Okay which would essentially encourage landlords to lower their prices or people selling to lower their prices because, you know, if they raise the price, then the tax is going to be massive. If they mm. lower it, they might get a better margin because it's, uh, it's, 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 um, it's better relative for them. Um, so people always have an objection to that. Well, what if there's government interest, blah, blah, blah. It's a function of the market. Okay. So essentially there can't really be that much government interest. And as I said, um, it would it would automatically cause the desire to lower the price um, because people, no one likes tax. You're not going to increase your tax bill, are you? It, it would just be silly. So you'd, you'd end up gradually lowering and lowering the price to where the market finds an acceptable price point. Um, and at that point, um, it's, a, it's a tax on the unimproved value of land. So as long as you improve your property and you make it productive or whatnot, um, if you're a business owner, that is, or a landlord, fine. If you just want to own the property, all you do is pay the tax. And when you've got house prices cheaper, perfect. When you've got no tax on your income, what happens? You've got more disposable income. Yep. It's the most equitable way. And as I said, um, because it's so because land is so diluted in the UK, I think um, so. What's it? The the Queen's the Queen's Fund. I think it's something Lancaster. Lancaster. I don't know. I can't remember. It's like an investment fund. They own a hell of a lot of land. Um, there's a guy up in the northeast of England who owns like 50, 60% of the freehold land there. Bloody you know, hell. These, it's, honestly, it's mental. 50, um, 60%? Yeah, in the northeast. I'll, I'll try and get it and you can put it in the, the podcast. Jesus notes. Christ. But it would basically stop these guys and girls um, from 
just hoarding land and uh, just basically having modern day feudalism um, because that's the land is the issue. It's not, it's nothing to do with corporations. It's nothing to do with um, business owners being unfair. It's purely to do with land. Imagine if you're a bit, actually let's, let's think about this. Think about the high street at the moment. Why are most of the firms shutting? Everyone says it's down to Amazon. It's not down to Amazon. Amazon are a lost leader. If they only had, their retail side where they, where they sell stuff and deliver it. Amazon, um, Amazon make all their money from Amazon web services, right? They make, I don't know about a, a billion, a billion dollars compared to a hundred billion in, uh, no more than that. They make way more than that. It's a hundred billion in revenue. They might make hundred billion in revenue and they only, they make only 1% net income, um, which is pretty crazy. And that most of that's down to Amazon Web Services. It's not down to Amazon pushing out the, the high street. It's down to rental costs being so so high that they can't change their they can't change their marketing. They can't change the customer experience. They can't change all of these different things. They can't lower the prices of their products because if they did, they'd be totally out of business, and then they'd have to sack everyone, which is even a worse situation. If you see in the House of Fraser um, agreement with their with their creditors. They said that um, one of the big things in their CVA was that they had to renegotiate, or they, they tried to renegotiate rent to their landlords. They couldn't. Landlords didn't want it because, you know, it's easy money for the landlords. Yeah, of course. Land, land's fixed, you know, so no one else is going to go and take it because it's so expensive. Um, it's, 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 the, it's the problem, but it's, it's, in, it's the elephant in the corner because no one really wants to to talk about it, but I feel at the moment there's a bit of a bigger movement um, going on about it. And if you want to learn, know more about it, it's, it's called Georgism um, after Henry George, the guy who kind of invented the single tax idea. I think it's gained a little bit of traction now because people are just fed up. Fed up, man. Standard, standard policies that go along with the housing market. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it is terrible. And the problem is that we are fighting against the people that monopolize the land. And that's yeah, why. Exactly. That's, that's and, and, perfect, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why. So, unfortunately for us, the people who are in power have, as you said, a vested interest. So you won't really hear them say, oh, yeah, let's slap us with this hefty tax because we own all this land. No, 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 no. We'll just talk about, yeah, we'll build some more houses. Yeah, mm. we, do, we do this, we do that. Add this tax here and there. No, it's... It's, it's very, very simple. Land is the issue. So you, you, you address the land. But unfortunately, not, not, not enough of us are aware of this. So we can't yeah. really push. And I've seen recently, um, if you look at, oh, what was it recently? Like, for example, the Windrush scandal, a lot of the pressure was come from the public, from social media, from the news. They put so much pressure that, um, I think my boy was telling me that, his, one of his dad's friends were having issues and two weeks later, he just got a visa through the post. Like, they had to react very quickly because of the pressure. We saw that with Grenfell. Mm. People, the, the outcry was so mad that then the government started doing stuff, which is still um, to be seen because there's still obviously problems with that. I'll talk about that another day. If not, if like it's only a very tiny fraction of people that are aware of this and they tend to be more in the academic slash intellectual segments of society, it's not really going to change. So how do we make the wider public aware of this because it ain't going to come from no major news corporation because the owners of these corporations in my opinion might be a bit conspiracy theorist-ish but it's not in their vested interest because they're likely to own land in, in droves so what do you think? What I say is people buy people buy emotion they don't buy um, they don't buy the policy um, if I were to go out and explain about single tax and inelasticity and all of that, people wouldn't buy it. At the end of the day, what I think people want is they people just want to live and live a good life. Um, I think if um, it were pushed um, more in that kind of... Well, not pushed. I don't like the word pushed because then it's almost like you're forcing things on people. I think if the information were displayed in a way um, that kind of guided people towards it made them interested first made them kind of kind of soft and comfortable the idea and then they were introduced as to how it works specifically their objections were were contained properly and and uh, replied to adequately i think that's the way to do it um 
The biggest hurdle, though, is that people believe property and land is an investment. Um, and it's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we need to survive. Um, you can't survive without water. You can't really survive without shelter. Um, you can't survive without oxygen, really, you know. So I, I think this this whole idea of uh, houses being used as an investment needs to needs to dwindle and uh, and rapidly purely purely just to stop this boom and bust nonsense. It's terrible, man. Because so the next the next yeah. bus is really going to kick us in the face. Because we're yeah, just have, have we even recovered from two thousand eight? Because I don't think we have. No, it's one big hangover, um, and you know you can see that through productivity and wage growth. Productivity has been hangover terrible for for two decades now so oh is this oh, i hate our podcasters are bare depressing but it's, yeah yeah um we, yeah. It's, honestly it's not a, it's not a nice period that we're living in yeah um, it's that's not the reason it's not and and us especially most of the listeners of my podcast tend to be in latest their 30s earliest uh, mid to late teens so we've got another 60 years of this ish so it's very it's very much in our best interests to start spreading this message and being com- becoming more clued up because we can't keep buying the fast food crap that the government, basically what the government is doing and whoever's in charge, whether it be the Labour, Labour Party, Liberal Democrats, Conservatives, is just basically McDonald's, McDonald's every time. Yeah, have it. Mm-hmm. It feels good for, it feels good for a couple of years. Oh shit, we have the same problem. I'm hungry again. Mm-hmm. It's, that's basically what is happening to us. We need a very, a long-term structural solution which is obviously land value tax where you address the issue what you said about um housing being an investment that's something that's going to be very difficult to change because that's become cultural like mm-hmm. if you speak to most people yeah yeah you know go uni get a job save up get a house buy a house get married it's almost become what's the word a yeah, synchronized the, like, synchronized robotic, robotic, yeah. yeah it's almost become synchronized with getting a house or with getting married mm-hmm. almost which is that one and having children, which is like one of the primary functions of us as human beings to reproduce. So how do we break that that down where we're seeing this as an investment? Because obviously it is an investment in the current climate. It is. Like you buy a house, mm. it's probably gonna grow go go up seven, eight percent a year, depending on depending on where you live. So how do we break that? Well, I think if you can think about it this way as well, um if you uh if you don't need cheap credit because you've got more disposable income um, because income taxes, VAT, all of these other taxes are gone. What does that mean you can do? And what does that happen? What does that mean to interest rates? It means the interest rates go up. You can keep your money in the bank, um, keep adding to it. You can pay your rent easily. You can or your or buy your uh, house easier because it's a lot cheaper with your uh, disposable income being higher. Um, it means you can Save. You can have a, a you, you know, you can have a secure way to make five, ten percent on your money each year because the the interest rates will be able to increase. You know, the only reason this interest rates are subdued is because the Bank of England knows that you know it will destabilize asset prices. Yeah. You know, vested interest again, and you know, it will encourage entrepreneurship. It will encourage investment elsewhere. If you wanted to you know, invest long-term in, in stocks. I always say to people, why don't you invest in in the S, uh, S&P 500 over 20 years rather than a house? Because it's likely you'll, you'll yield 150%. You know, that's what's happened year on, well, uh, between, no one's ever lost money uh, in any 20-year period investing in the S&P 500. Facts. No one, no one since its inception. Um, an index is designed to always go up. So I don't understand why, you know, and the whip back that you get after a crisis in the stock market is very, very, uh, very, very quick and um, strong because the central bank needs to come in and step in and, and make it recover. Whereas with housing, you'll start with an illiquid asset. Um, yeah, you can't just say, okay, cool. Housing prices down, okay, cool. Let me just quickly go, let me just quickly go and sell this and I'll get 500 yeah, grand exactly. in my account within, exactly. within a day. No, you have to find a buyer go through yeah. all the procedures which could take from four weeks to six weeks or even longer sometimes so yeah, yeah. um and i mean you i think you have to it's it's, it's, it's honestly very difficult because of the mentality but i think you have to play on that other side as well of the removal of the other taxes i would love it if i didn't have to pay any tax and if i were to buy a house i knew that 
yearly, that is all that I would have to pay. Or even not even yearly on that initial purchase. That's all I'd have to pay. You know, it would, it would make things so much easier because you could get a job and you could forecast, look, I earn, let's say, 30 grand a year. I will get X, X amount a month purely. You just divide 30 by 12 and that's how much you earn a month and then, you know, add on two zeros. It's, it's easy. It's just easy and it makes sense. You wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to consider um, if you're a business owner um, how much how much income tax you pay out or how much national insurance you pay out. Because the value of land is so high, you could have a single tax. It's that it makes sense, and I don't understand why it's not kind of pushed more in that way. The idea is Georgism, not just the land value tax, but the whole concept of Georgism. Okay, cool. So we'll probably talk about Georgism, capitalism, socialism, all the isms on another podcast. I'll try to get that sorted at a later date. So to conclude, let's talk about Elon Musk, because I need to understand this, because I've been meaning to ask you. And basically, for those who don't know, on Twitter, if if I see David tweet, one in every three tweets is some sort of form of abuse to Elon Musk. So who is um the... He's the um, CEO of Tesla, right? Tesla, yeah. Tesla, okay, cool. So you know those fancy cars you see, they could drive themselves, what type of stuff? Yeah. So he's a pretty pretty smart geezer. So for one reason or not... Um, David revels in cars blowing up and just calling him all types of swear words. <laughs> so can you explain to us who Elon Musk is, what his projects are, and why do you hate him so much? Because <laughs> how I need to yeah, know. I mean, look, I think he's um, a very, very smart guy. He's got a fantastic vision. Um, and I would absolutely love for his ideas to succeed. From an investor standpoint, he's an absolute wanker. Um, he, I, I said that back in, uh, I think it was last August, I think it was trading up at about $300, $300 a share or something. And I said, look, I think this is going to be an absolute failed whale, um, which means that a massive company that everyone's bought into because the idea is fantastic. But I just thought there was something that wasn't quite right about it. Um, and it's come out in quarter four um, that the production of their cars is totally absolutely shocking they can't they can't produce them enough of them they can't produce them well enough which is why you've seen fucking teslas um on autopilot killing people and stuff like that there was one today that blew up you know wheels falling off it's ridiculous it's honestly ridiculous and i thought that because um they're not making any money at all and he had to go to the market back in august and he had to uh, he had to ask for a debt issuance of one point five billion dollars. Now, because Tesla's not making any money, they've actually got to repay it. They have to. I think they've fucking forgotten they have to repay it. Sorry for swearing, <laughs> but um, they have to repay it in. I think it's October or November. They have to pay something like nine hundred and fifty million dollars. Um, and then in Q one or Q two of next year, they have to repay the rest. I just don't think they're going to do it. And um, basically, when you can judge how good a bond is by what its yield is corporate bonds normally have um slightly they have higher yields than government bonds because the default risk is higher of course tesla's tesla's um bond is ranked the same as botswana government debt which is very very bad for those who don't know so that means obviously a a botswana government bond is going to have a higher yield because the risk is a lot higher than than, let's say a, a german bond yeah. yeah, exactly. They're gone. Um, and I just, I just think that he's had loads of, uh, he's had loads of government subsidies to do SpaceX, uh, Tesla, Hyperloop, um, and Hyperloop. By the way, um, it sounds fantastic. It's amazing. When you actually look at what's happened with it, you can only dig in the Tesla car park. Um, so he's trying to build this thing from, uh, was it Saint Pan? Some, some just outside of uh, San Francisco, Palo Alto, that's it, um, to, to LA, um, all along the, the San Andreas Fault. Okay. But you can, only dig, you can only dig it in a Tesla car park. It's like a proper fast train, basically. Because mm. um, California's not going to give him the planning permission because Californian planning laws are so strict. Yeah, very you know, strict. That's, that's why I've got some really crazy house prices in California as well. Exactly. And I think a lot of uh, the, the share price of Tesla is investors have got really really happy over these other things that he's doing firstly he's not done tesla well enough 
but he's also got SpaceX on the go and this Hyperloop. And I think they're buying Tesla as a function of these other two projects, but he's not, you know, he's not earning any money from it. And I mean, they're fantastic projects. Don't get me wrong, but he's not doing them right. And he's, he had a, um, he had a, uh, a call with investors. Uh, I saw this. Com- I saw this. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. And he was, you know, um, he goes, yeah, I don't want any boring, uh, questions from wall street analysts. And remember wall street analysts, and salespeople are the ones that are getting investors involved in Tesla, and this, this is where all the big money's coming in from. And he doesn't want to talk to them, so he took a he took a question off a guy off YouTube and says, "Yeah, no more boring questions. I'll take the take the question off the retail investor, which is just a normal guy maybe with a hundred grand in his trading account." You know, it doesn't make sense the way that he's conducting himself as a CEO. And um, a load of Tesla staff are leaving. Their, their well, a load of their their board level um c-suite guys have left and joined other firms because he's running it kind of like a tyrant a very intelligent tyrant but you don't always need an intelligent person running a thing you need someone that's open to criticism open to change and open to listening to other people um and he's just a bit of a wanker i'm not gonna lie that's, that's all i can describe him as yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how t- um, Tesla do. I, I'm starting to see a lot more of them of them on the roads, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, I can't lie, I I don't know why people are buying cars when you've heard some people's cars are going to autopilot and drive them into walls and mm. blowing up. But God speed. And the refund rate, the refund rate on them as well is massive, and uh, the unfilled orders, people are just cancelling their orders now. Oh really? Because they've yeah they've they ordered them like a year ago, promised like earlier this year, still not got them. Um, and they're having to repair their cars like 12 times. I saw a video on YouTube. It's, um, I know it's, they, these are anecdotal, but they do add up as well. Um, and it's just a shame, really, because it's such a good idea. And I just think it's too early. I just think the people buying um, Teslas, they, they want it because it's a new fad. But I think the overall idea of um, fully electric cars, yeah, it's just a little bit too early. I always use the example of um, IBM versus Apple. IBM in 1993 or 1994, they released the IBM Simon, which was a touchscreen phone. Way too early. People were barely using mobile phones then, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Apple came along right at the right time. Um, people had generally, what was it, like 70% of people had a mobile by then. And then they wanted to take it to the next stage. Um, it's difficult, you know? Okay. Well, now I understand why you insult him so much. It still doesn't explain why you insult him as much as you do. Like it seems like like he kicked your dog or something. Like I don't understand, but it's it's quite... because because listen, when when you're an investor, you you do get uh you shouldn't really get emotionally involved in things, but you do. And when you hear the head of a company, you've got money, and I don't. But I'm talking from a general investor's point of view. When you hear the the head of a company that you've got money in talking to people like that. And just saying, oh, yeah, don't worry, everything will be fine. When it's clearly not fine, I'm going to be worried. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be too happy. And I think from a purely ethics point of view, that's why I get so pissed off of him, because it's just ridiculous how he conducts himself. It's, and also the Tesla chart is following Enron, which is the, the big, massive fail firm, if anyone remembers that. But, um, yeah, that's, a, that's just a kind of other tangent thing. Okay, well, thank anyway. you, <laughs> thank you for that. So, um, so have we covered everything? Housing market, the politics about it, do's and Oh, I wanted to ask you. I remember before you saying that you won't buy a house; you'll you'll continue to rent. Are you still of the mm. same belief? Um, yeah. In the current situation, yeah, I don't really. Uh, I've got no real desire to. I'd rather. I'd rather my um my sunk costs be really really small and be more flexible. Potentially, when my situation changes, if I get kids or get married or whatever, God forbid, <laughs> then <laughs> then, uh, then yeah, it, it might change. But for the moment, I don't really see any. I don't, I have literally have zero desire to do it. Yeah, I do understand you. I I kind of I kind of um divvy between the two mainly because of that I'll probably have to have kids eventually pretty soon so has to have somewhere to put them on a stable thing but yeah I, I look mm. at house prices one of them and just want to vomit literally just looking I just want to yeah. vomit everywhere and just the thought of living in like deep Essex just makes me sick like where shops close at three, <laughs> shops close at 3.30 F that man I, I'm growing up in London I want to stay here but 
I don't, I don't, I don't have um, come to your door looking to tarmac the drive and stuff. <laughs> I, I, I don't have that seven thousand, no seven hundred thousand pound deposit just to get some shed in some some dead ass place in London. But, no, exactly, it's but, ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. But hopefully, the but next anyway, gone. Yeah, no. Everyone should just check out Georgism because um, it might change your mind. It might not, but I think personally, and um, and so do a lot of people. I think it's the most equitable thing. And you, as you more read more into it, you know it will make sense. It will start to make sense. I mean, don't if you get kind of stuck into the economic side of it and how the tax actually works and that kind of thing, don't worry too much. But as you read more and understand, kind of in words rather than looking at graphs as to how it works um, and why it works, then hopefully it will it will teach you something. Have you written on um, Georgism, Georgism yet? Um, yeah, I think so. I wrote something for uh, land. Oh, my memory is so bad. Who did I write it for? Uh, land. I can post it to you. Yeah, yeah. So, I I'll, so I'll put your work and then anything you think the listeners should um, look into. But um, maybe next week or the week after or something like that, we'll we'll do a socialism versus capitalism versus Georgism, and then we'll go through that. I'm trying. I'm struggling to find a socialist though. I keep asking who wants to come on podcast. And that's the thing. People want to argue and say, you people in shiny suits, this, that, and the other. Come on my podcast and debate your point. But why, don't we try and get, why, don't we, why don't we try and get McDonald on for it? That'd be fucking hilarious. I actually might email him. Yeah, yeah, do that. <laughs> do that. No, I will. I might, I might do. Yeah, anybody. I just want to ask some questions. But yeah. Yeah, David, thank you for joining. No and worries, That's mate. been another Disney Nights podcast. Back next week, 10.30 Sundays as per. Peace. Podcast Network.